It's Coin DMZ. This is episode 13. Let's see. That's William Quigley, who's on the other side. Say hello, William. Hello, audience. There's audience listeners. He's in Santa Monica, California. I'm in Barcelona, or some call it Barcelona, Spain, for the uh, big Mobile World Congress, which is happening this week. And, uh, of course, we are always here to give you the inside groove of what's going on in the crypto space. William, of course, is the brainiac. He is. He's brains, 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 and I just know how to pull it out of him. Coin That's DMZ. not what you said before we began. Uh, wait a second. What I what I've been told is we're getting some serious traffic. I mean, people are listening all over the world, and we'll we'll find that out a little later on on our listener email. But what I've been told over at Opskins and at Wax, your own team listens to you from the podcast. That might be one place where they get a lot of your time. You know, it is, and they they should be working, <laughs> doing it during business hours. <laughs> well, maybe they're not. Maybe they're doing it on their drive home or something like that. But <laughs> William, of course, is the, uh, at over at Opskins and Wax. And if you want to find out more about um, either one of them, where do they go, William? Wax.io for learning about Wax, which is a cryptocurrency helping people in the video game space. And Opskins is opskins.com. And that's uh, the skin market, which just blows my mind every time we talk about $50 billion market that's out there, which most people don't even understand. So I was talking to a mutual friend of ours. I know you know who it is. I was texting between you and him earlier, and he's raised in VC funding over the last 20 years, more than $3 billion. It's a mind blowing number. Yeah. $3 billion. Yeah. And I'm I'm sitting here talking because uh, he's doing another raise for his company and he's talking about how hard it is and the, the road show he's got to go through and just the pain. And it sounds very much like the 1990s and the 2000s and the last 10 years. And I go, how about an ICO? He goes, oh, that's mumbo jumbo. That's all fake, fake. You can't even get your money out. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe he said that because I know who that. you're referring to. And he's a sophisticated guy. And uh, he he's been very successful at uh, raising capital for his his uh, technology companies. But the fact that he doesn't know how robust this market is and how much capital you can raise as long as you can inspire people with the project you have, that's shocking. Yeah, well, his biggest concern, and this might be other people's too, is getting the money out. You know, once it comes in th via Ethereum or whatever, where you, you receive your, your investors, it's on the other side. He says, I can't get that cash to put it into platform okay. development. Okay, so you know what? I am going to give him a, uh, a quick lesson. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know my, my commentary on, on cryptocurrencies, they're more liquid than water. Cryptocurrencies are traded on 6,000 exchanges and not all cryptocurrencies, but many of them are far more liquid than a, than a typical stock. Uh, there's a lot of stocks that you, uh, you, you virtually trade by appointment, you know, no, not I understand. Wait, 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 wait. Traded. no, wait, wait, stop, stop. See, I think you're thinking about something different. Imagine you're talking about if you and I would go off and buy somebody else's token. 
or coin. How about him as the one that's actually doing the fundraising for his I get business? It. I get it. So he, okay. what he would do is he would say, hey, I'm going to issue a, an ICO that does something. And I know the markets he goes after are very big. So let's say he comes up with a good idea and he goes and sells uh, some tokens in his new ICO. Well, what does he get in return? What he gets in return is either Bitcoin or Ethereum or any other coin that he chooses to accept. He takes those coins and he goes to an exchange that allows the sale of the coins into fiat, you know, US dollars or euros, and he just immediately sells them. And he can immediately convert those cryptocurrencies into cash. That's that's the fact that he doesn't know that says to you, Ken and me, how early we still are in the kind of the the business people of the world understanding how magnificent cryptocurrencies really are and how helpful they can be for their own financing needs. And like you said earlier, he's a fairly sophisticated individual, Yes, which again would suggest that he's not alone. Oh, no, so no, no. I, I think you're exactly right. That's my point. I think he is probably a very typical example of uh someone who has done a lot of financing and raising money for his, his startups and has never really gotten educated about the ICO market. And so doesn't realize that what I realize, I've been what a venture capitalist for over 20 years. And about five years ago, I realized that cryptocurrencies were going to be a far better way for entrepreneurs to raise capital, to build out their project and build out their dream. And that's that's come to be true. There is no better way to raise capital. And you have to, of course, there are, there are considerations you have to make. Uh, you know, uh, cryptocurrency and ICOs aren't ready, right for everybody. But if they're right for you, then forget about venture capital. That's the worst possible thing you can do if the cryptocurrency market is open to what you're building. And I was talking to a fairly large VC firm in in the Valley, uh, right off of Sand Hill Road, and they have said that they have seen a massive slowdown in the three to $20 million range. I know it's a massive range that I just gave you, but they have seen over the last one year, a slowdown in companies knocking on their doors. You got because, it. And, and yeah. we've talked about this, but I'll just reinforce it. Do you know which companies in particular don't want to knock on their doors? Companies that have high profiles who can easily convince the cryptocurrency world that their project is interesting. Maybe it already is interesting. It's doing something fabulous. Those guys who used to go to the venture capitalists and beg and grovel and say, please invest with me. And then the VCs come and they you know, remove their board and they put all these controls in place. Uh, instead, these companies, once they understand that they can tap into the cryptocurrency market, it, my belief is that they will just never look back. They won't even consider venture capital. That's where we're going. Wow, that's amazing. Well, we have a lot to talk about on today's show. 
William and I are going to head. Here's a few of the headlines. We're going to be talking about how Venezuela, they're going after their second gas coin. Austria is planning new regulations for cryptocurrency and ICOs. George is going to find a way to let you pay your taxes with Bitcoin. Bank of America cautions on potential cryptocurrency threats. What are the best countries to do an ICO? And how to avoid Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency pump and dump scams. Gotta know that. Plus, we have listener email. We have a lot going on. All happening here right now on Coin DMZ. He's William Quigley. I'm Ken Rakowski. He's in Santa Monica, California. I'm in Barcelona, Spain. And we are looking at what's going on with all of those coins that are out there. Altcoins, crypto coins, you call them coins. Whatever it is, we're doing it. It's crazy over here. And of course, you want to find out more, just go over to uh, CoinDMZ. But I would suggest going to even iTunes. We're there. We're being downloaded all over the world, as we'll show you a little later on. I'm honored to have one of the smartest men in the entire crypto space joining us. And that's William Quigley. Thank you very much, Mr. Q, for uh, hanging out with us. I do appreciate oh, it. Thank you, Ken. You have a fan base. You have a fan base. People come up to me going, what's William really like? And I go, you'll never know. That's how I say it. You'll he never is know. gentle as a little puppy. Yeah. Yeah, right. Hey, Venezuela, which is one of those crazy countries that has gone through so many horrible regimes. And, uh, of course, the only thing they have going for them at this point in time is petro, is gasoline. Uh, I believe they are an OPEC nation. And they did something that I guess they're so happy to do. And I read all these reports prior to it happening saying this is crazy. They shouldn't do it. It's called, uh, I think it's Petra. P-E-T-R-O, which was their own launch of their own cryptocurrency. And it did pretty incredible. The launch of it was last week, right? Yeah. And Ken, here's the thing. Um, I mean, to, to, to our audience, this is, uh, it, it's hard to under or to overstate what happened here. I mean, a country, a UN uh, member country, Venezuela, a big country, issued a cryptocurrency. And that's right. crazy. I mean, I remember when, you know, uh, we were being told this is, cryptos are the domain of, of uh, you know, um, dark net market operators on the internet and, and uh, drug smugglers and, and no one credible would ever want to do it. And here we are, a government, a big government embraced yeah, but a very corrupt government, a screwed up, messed yeah, that, up government. That's true too. But nonetheless, a government recognized by the United Nations does a an ICO, they raise $700 million and immediately say, we're going to do another ICO. Yeah. And, and they're doing it based upon the futures of, of oil. Is right. What they're doing. It's, it's a perfect application for a crypto. And of course, what they're really looking to do is uh and it's and it's very ironic to me uh, as to how it's happened but you see uh some of this is about uh the venezuelan government trying to circumvent certain sanctions that have been placed on it by the eu by by the us and how does the us and uh, the eu 
Um, how does it, it, it put into place these sanctions? Usually it's through the global banking networks because they have the ability to convince the networks, these banking networks, not to do certain things. So, so the U.S. and Europe have an ability to really isolate countries that don't behave the way they're supposed to behave, at least according to the U.S. and the Europeans. And Venezuela figured out that it doesn't really need to worry about that if it can do all of its trade through through cryptos the fact that this was so successful and now that venezuelan government is issuing another currency to do this i mean do you real i mean what this means for just the uh the use of sanctions and the way we sanction countries there's a number of sanctioned countries that have basically been been completely walled off because we don't allow them access to the global banking system so that what I find ironic about this is uh, the the uh, the claim has always been that these non-state actors are going to use uh, cryptocurrencies to circumvent um, sanctions imposed by them by the by the large global countries, and instead it's a it's a country itself that decided to use it uh, uh, cryptos in this way. Uh, and while I don't know what sanctions. So in Wait, it sounds like you're excited about this, even though it's for Venezuela, I, a very corrupt government. I'm excited about it, Ken, because, oh my gosh, this is, um, we're talking about a legitimate government that has said there is a use case for cryptos that will help our people. And uh, uh, so for so long, I've been hearing how, you know, uh, uh, cryptocurrencies will never be embraced by governments. No government will ever want to issue a cryptocurrency for its people and whatnot. And uh, I didn't think Venezuela would be the first one. Venezuela, not a year ago, was the police were arresting people who had Bitcoin mining equipment. And so it's just a massive about face. And uh, um, I think uh, I think this is huge news, even though it's maybe not getting well covered. It's huge news for cryptocurrencies. Uh, I didn't know you were going to get that excited about this story. I'm happy. All right. Let's do some more government stuff. The country of Austria. Love it. Uh, they're looking at new regulation around crypto and ICO. The, the thing that stuck out on, on this, for at least for me, is this. William, I know that every country is going to figure out some type of regulation. They should. It's important. But they're starting to set some actual currency amounts on it. So they want people to disclose when they do at least 10,000 euros of trading. They want that disclosed, which I get it. It's like when we go to a bank, if we put $10,000 into a bank, they of course give you some type of headache saying, I can't believe you put that much into a bank or you want that much out of a bank. They have to somehow disclose it to the government. Well, they want that specifically done with 10,000 euros in Austria. What's your thought on this? So my thought on it is I, uh, you know, as a libertarian, it just disgusts me, quite frankly. It disgusts me. Uh, I, I, do I understand what Austria wants to do? Of course, they're saying we're going to treat cryptos the exact same way we treat fiat. And fiat means, you know, U.S. dollars or euros or whatever currency it is that the country is using. So I get that because they find it quite helpful to be able to track this stuff. But I don't believe that uh, a government uh, has a right to know everything you spend your money on. I think, you know, in the US, we have a constitution. One of the principles in that constitution is around privacy. Um, 
I get if they're like, we don't want you to do something bad. I don't know, whatever it is, buy illegal drugs. But uh, no, I don't feel like the government has a right. Uh, they may demand it and they may put you in prison if you don't agree to it. But I don't think the governments have a right to know what you do with your money. And uh, 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 a lot, we'll talk about it in a different show, but what Austria is trying to do, which is to say, hey, you have to self-report if you trade more than 10,000 euros worth of cryptos. Um, you know, they're going to need to make it about self-reporting because in the not too distant future, there is no way for governments to ever know what you've done. That's right. I agree with that. Continue on governments. Actually, we're going to go to the state of Georgia. This cracks me up because, and you brought this up. You brought this up, I think, like on, on show three or four. Anytime we talk about crypto, a politician is going to find a way to accept it for campaign contributions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or a government's going to find a way to accept it for payment of <laughs> yeah. taxes, right? That is correct. So the government's it, and it is it is uh, uh, it's Kafka esque in some respects, right? How how these governments <laughs> twist and turn, and on the one hand. I guess governments are not monolithic, but on the one hand, you have regulators saying this stuff's bad, we can't track it, we don't like it. On the other hand, you have any government that is trying to collect money saying whatever way is easy for you guys to give us money, we'll take. That's right. And that's the case for uh, Georgia. Georgia's saying, hey, if you guys want to pay us in uh, Bitcoin, we'll gladly accept it. I just love it. I just, again, it goes back to the same thing with the politicians. Just watch the next big election. Whatever country it is, they will make sure there, there's a Bitcoin contribution box right there on their website. I just love seeing that. Hey, what's this big thing with Bank America? It, all it sounds like is they came out with this gigantic 13,000-word report, and it's basically the state of what's going on with them. And it sounds like Bank America just realized that Crypto is here to stay. It's not a fad. Yeah. And, and that makes sense, right? Because in 2017, we went from a market cap of what, Ken, at the beginning of 2017? Oh, I, I forget. You tell me. All right. $17 billion. What was it at the end of 2017? About $700 billion. <sighs> It's dropped a few hundred billion cents. But when you see that and your Bank of America, and Bank of America is not just the bank, remember, they, they do investment banking and investment products for people and whatnot. So um, they have- But they a, are the biggest uh, Bank of America in, in, in the US, aren't they? By, as measured by deposits, they might be, but I don't right. know. But let's say they're definitely top five. Okay, got it. And, um, and they file this report with the Securities and Exchange Commission of the US each year and talking about all the things that they consider to be uh, dangers and, and uh, potential helpful things around new technologies. And I think this was the first time they made reference to uh, cryptocurrencies. And uh, I think they referenced it in sort of a cautionary way where they said, um, uh, hey, you know, cryptocurrencies are hard for us to track. So we as a bank are supposed to be tracking all this movement of money and we don't necessarily do that on cryptocurrency William, exchanges. William, I, th I think this is a CYA, cover your ass. Maybe, let's, yeah. Let's bring it up now because we know it's going to bite us in the butt later, But and then we could say, told you so, told you so. That's what yeah. I think this is. Fair enough. 
So, hey, just to let everyone know right now as we're recording the show, yes, it's over 10000 being Bitcoin. $10,182. Ethereum's 852 and Ripple is almost at a buck. It's nice to be hovering over uh, over $10,000 again, right, William? Yeah, and and that looks to be between you know eleven thousand and nine thousand looks to be a place where uh, there's a lot of both willing sellers in that range and willing buyers. Yeah, below that price doesn't look like many people want to sell. So I'd say looks to be a pretty solid floor for the time being. Being ten thousand, that that's like the feel good area. I'd I'd go I'd say nine thousand to eleven thousand. So you're I'd give that range. This is Coin DMZ. This is episode 13. William and I are hanging out, giving you the insight of what's going on. So let's talk about ICOs, but not specifically an ICO. You all know what it is because we have been bringing it up often, a initial coin offering. How about countries? Now, William, you, of course, have been, um, you were scouting great platforms, great ways of doing ICOs, and you've seen companies do it and startups do it. There has to be, maybe in your mind, because this is what I found, what would be considered a successful ICO. Do you agree with the ones that I have written down there? Raise more than yes. 10? Yeah, you're talking about what you believe uh, makes a successful ICO. Yeah, it's raised more than $10 million. It's still operating, have not been involved in any legal issues, and is not a scam. I mean, I, I know they're pretty broad positions, but heck yeah, I would not. That's like... Yeah, it's a pretty low bar. It's like your your bar for dating, you know? It's like, well, you know. She breathes. Uh, she has yeah, red blood cells. Yeah. yeah. But at a minimum, I would say, um, yeah. And now there's probably a good ICO that only needed a few million dollars. But if they've raised 10 million or more, uh, and if they are operating, I would say uh, uh, one of the things you might want to look at is just you know, uh, look at the ICO. CEO company's website and and look for standard stuff. So in other words, how many press releases are, are they doing? Do they have partnerships that they announce with some frequency? Um, are they listed? Are the coins listed on a number of exchanges so you can get some liquidity out of them? And uh, do you uh, do they have a Telegram channel? Telegram is a is a messaging app, and a lot of the ICO companies have channels in the messaging app of Telegram where all of the fans of that coin gather. And Telegram is a terrific place to get a sense, does this coin have a lot of a following or does no one care? Now, generally when you do an IPO, an initial public offering, there are certain exchanges that are really deemed the gold standard. You know, you, if you could do an IPO in the United States on NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange, it's kind of the standard. And then things start to change once you're outside the United States. You might do it on the Nikkei, you might do it on the FTSE. It depends where you're going to go, but there are standards when you do a certain IPO. Do you agree? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. Is that the same case when it comes to an ICO? Are countries, since there's not really an exchange in one country known for ICOs, it's the country itself. Yeah. I don't hear people say, oh, I can't wait to do an ICO in the United States. Why is that? Uh, why is that? Because the, uh, the, the lack of clarity around the regulations. And remember, when you say the U.S., you have to then say what state 
and there's 50 of them in the US, right? You can't be in the United States and also not be in a state. So in order to do an ICO, if you're if you have a company and it's in the US, it must be in a state. Now, Wyoming has indicated recently some really, I'd say, some positive views about uh, saying just because you're doing an ICO doesn't make it a security. So the Wyoming uh, equivalent of the Securities and Exchange Commission, the state level, is saying we're not going to automatically assume you're a you're a uh, uh, a security, and so that's good. There's other a few other states that are pretty uh, progressive about this, but in general, the problem is there's not enough guidance by U.S. regulators as to what the rules are, and without guidance, there's risk. So people tend to want to go to countries where there's more guidance and there's been more universal positive positions taken on ICOs and cryptocurrencies. So the three that I listed as having a guess, I guess based upon what you said, the best guidance is Singapore, Switzerland, and the Cayman Islands. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was trying to poke holes at it because it's your list, lot, not mine. Yeah, right, so right, right. Like no, 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 poke, poke, poke uh, away, buddy, poke. Uh, and and uh, it's hard to poke at it because you know, you might say Gibraltar. Gibraltar has recently been pretty positive. Uh, Malta is also uh, pretty positive on ICOs. But Singapore, Switzerland, Cayman, yeah, those three places, uh, lots of companies based there have done ICOs. And I'd say the government's have been pretty supportive. Yeah, that's exactly it. And last thing before we go to our fun listener email is, you know, how do you avoid crypto bitcoin pump and dump scams i've been seeing these pop up more and more and more i mean and william and i have talked about a new token or coin is issued almost every single day <laughs> it's starting to feel like the old pink sheet days do you remember that oh it's this is the whole wolf of wall street beginning when uh when people would yes, call you i do remember it and uh, uh look let's face it anytime people are making a lot of money in something uh, bad actors come into the system and try to exploit them anytime. And that's happened, obviously, in the cryptocurrency space. When I was in China in September of 2017, uh, I was at a crypto conference, and that was the first time I was getting uh, really educated by local Chinese cryptocurrency people as to how many scams were popping up. And these were crazy scams. These were things where guys were putting up a website they were going on LinkedIn, the US sort of uh, resume listing service, and they were just grabbing pictures of people's <laughs> and their resume, and they were putting it on a website, and they were saying, oh, you know, William Quigley and Ken Rutkowski are uh, doing an ICO, and this is why it's great. And then a few, they would get a few thousand, few million dollars uh, uh, contributed through uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum, and then they disappear, the site would go down. Wow. So, so that, then that happened to Korea, uh, lots of scams. And so uh, uh, now uh, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, which is one of the U.S. regulators, we call it the CFTC, one of the U.S. regulators that has said, we get to regulate cryptocurrencies. You know, all the regulators are trying to, to, to be the one who gets to regulate. Anyway, they have their, what they call their helpful tips. I got to say, I get them, uh, you know, but there's a side of me that says, you ever been on an airplane and uh, a flight attendant gets up and says, here's how you use a seatbelt? Yeah. And you, you 
kind of go, really, you're on a plane and you don't know how to use a seatbelt, right? So the CFTC gave uh, three tips. Um, you know, the first tip was uh, don't rely on, on everything you hear on social media. Duh. All right. The other tip was, yeah, that's kind of a whatever. Don't believe all the ads you see on websites. <laughs> and by the way, there's no such thing as a guaranteed investment. So now I'm going to tell you, I get if I was in like teaching a bunch of uh, elementary school children, you know, how things work, I'd say this is probably good tips. Uh, my guess is most of the people that say this is aimed at are adults. Now I'm telling you, if, if, um, if this is really the advice that you need to avoid getting scammed, I mean, you're probably going to get scammed anyway. You are. You're looking for the what seems to be too good to be true, which it generally is. Hey, when we come back, we're going to dive a little into some amazing listener email, which we're excited to share with you. Of course, William and I are here every single week, no matter where we are in the world. We're always here to get your ideas. And uh, I'll tell you how to do that in a moment. Of course, this is episode 13, and you're listening to Coin DMZ. Demilitarized zone, that's the DMZ part of Coin, and we're here to give you and shed some light on what's going on at the markets. Of course, William can be found all over the planet. William, what's going on with you? It seems like you're becoming like this big time speaker. You're at all these conferences all over the planet. I've, uh, I've, yeah, that's true. I have to do that. Uh, part of that is, you know, part of the job. I'm, I'm out there talking about the companies I work with. And of course I'm talking to lots of people about why I believe after being in the venture capital industry for 20 years, why I believe cryptocurrencies are the best way for you to either raise capital for your company or to set aside some money as an investment because i see cryptocurrencies as having a huge impact on our society on capitalism in general and on the way we buy and sell things particularly when we buy and sell things from one country to another country if you're in the u.s you're buying something let's say you know in uh, i don't know France, it's much easier to pay somebody with cryptos than it is to use a bank wire or some other payment method. So that's why I go. And we'll, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Another thing, by the way, William, I've noticed is your slides generally aren't slides anymore. You want to talk about it because if anyone has a deck at a conference and they're presenting and it's two months old, it, that's like a decade ago. You know, isn't that true? That is, and you know, you and I have worked together for so many years. But uh, when uh, uh, when we Ken and I go to a lot of conferences and there's a lot of people who present and I love seeing beautiful, nice presentation slides. But I always think to myself, you know, when you made that, it's likely the world looked differently. Well, in crypto, a day goes by and the world looks differently. So if, when I see a really nice slide deck, I think, OK, this is probably a little outdated. And so, yeah, I, I, I've caught to the point where. I just discuss things that are relevant at that very point in time, and that means I probably don't have a pitch deck. That's exactly it. Letters, we get letters, we get back bad decks of letters. 
and we do. We get tons and tons of email. Hello at coindmz.com. That's how you can send us email. And uh, we are honored to get those. And what we'll do is we'll go between them. Hey, uh, William, why don't you grab the first listener email? What do we got? What do we got from one of our listeners? Well, the first is from Margaret from Macon, Georgia. And she is a, a, uh, a listener of our show on iTunes. And she has a question. Can she invest in Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency from her IRA, which is a uh, which is individual, individual retirement, retirement account. account for U.S. listeners? You guys know for people outside of the U.S., it's a way to invest and you don't get taxed on the money you put into the IRA. Well, it's deferred. It's deferred until you're 59 and a half when you start taking yeah, the money out. Good point. For, and, and, and what's the answer to that, Ken? Well, yeah, actually, there are some companies that have popped up now that focus on the idea of you doing investments with Bitcoin and crypto inside an IRA. I believe one is called BitcoinIRA.com, which is based near where you're located. And we're seeing financial planners, uh, which still have so many issues because... they're not even and some of them don't even have approval to yeah. do this but they're trying to create constructs around this idea so yeah, but, i think we'll see it pop up more is, yeah i do too say that again. and that is the case you can you can invest uh in in cryptocurrencies through your ira and uh you know you don't want to put all of your money in there but i think it's a really good way no. to boost your returns we got David from Calgary he says, hey, I'm coming to Los Angeles to see William speak at the State of Digital Money Conference on May 5th. It's my birthday. And I was wondering how I could get a meeting with him afterwards. Well, thank you, David <laughs> from Calgary. And uh, uh, the Calgary Stampede is a really fun event that I've been to. Um, yeah, so I would say I will be at that conference, the State of Digital Money in Los Angeles, uh, on, on May 5th. I will be after after my presentation. I'll be there all day. If you come up and say, I'm that guy from Calgary, uh, I'd be happy to have a chat with you. You're not going to remember. I will. There's no way. I will. <laughs> all right. Take a stab at this one. I think it's Esther. Where's Esther from? Esther is from Havana, and- Cuba. That's amazing. Wow. And her sh- she watches a weekly show. I think I'm pronouncing it right, El Picate Seminal, which is, uh, I think, the weekly package. And uh, our show is on that. And uh, she's telling us that it's one of her favorite shows and that she has people come over her house and uh, she listens to our show with her friends. And and let me just say this to you, Esther. Uh, Thank you for writing us. And... uh, Cuba, which has a lot of uh, controls around what you're allowed to do with your money, where you can spend it. Uh, I love the fact that you are able to get involved in cryptocurrencies and see how transformative they can be. And who knows, maybe you and your friends can influence the government uh, regulators in, in your country to start to recognize cryptos as a legitimate way for people to do things and if you do that, uh, you could be part of this whole movement to improve the world through blockchain and cryptocurrency technology. So if Esther is at the State of Money, our State of Digital Money Conference in May, and she comes or he comes, I'm not sure if Esther's a guy or girl, and they go, hey, William, I'm the one from Havana, Cuba. Yeah. Will you have a meeting with them Only also? on one condition. <laughs> 
What do you want? I want that cigar. And our last one, this is Jeff from the Gold Coast of Australia. It's amazing all these international people are listening to the show. Um, when will I be able to use Bitcoin to buy stuff like I do with my credit cards? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in, in um, Jeff, thank you for writing us. In many places now, uh, many countries, uh, there are uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency sites that where they will accept your credit card. In the last month or so, maybe six weeks, there's been a number of credit card issuing banks that have said, we will not allow uh, credit cards to be used to buy cryptocurrencies. I think they're, they have the, a misunderstanding of why people are doing it. And I think it's uh, they should reverse that policy. But in any event, um, it is not hard to do Google search and see um, how uh, a number of sites, I don't know about Australia, but there's a number of sites in many countries where uh, you can use your credit card and, uh, uh, you know, you can you can acquire Bitcoin. And of course, um, you can, once you have it, you can, for instance, go to opskins.com if you happen to be a video gamer and on opskins.com, um, you know, you can deposit a Bitcoin and buy uh, video game items. There's lots of lots of, of e-commerce sites now that that accept Bitcoin and some other cryptocurrencies. Most of them accept Bitcoin um, for uh, for buying and selling. It, it, there's one technical point I'll make. The problem with Bitcoin, the problem with Bitcoin for a lot of e-commerce merchants is it can take 10 minutes for the um, for the transaction to be confirmed on the Bitcoin blockchain. And most people don't want to wait 10 minutes to cash out of their, you know, to get through the checkout process online. Yeah, good point. That's why point. Bitcoin is getting faster and things like Ethereum and Dash, uh, Wax and other cryptocurrencies are much faster and will be used, uh, I think, much more in the future. Hey, William, again, thanks a lot for just being here and educating us on all this stuff you know. It's unbelievable. You're this resource of just crazy knowledge. I love it. And I know the listeners out there do too. So, William, thanks for taking the time out yeah, and making well, this happen every single happy week. Happy to do it. And I'm, I'm uh, happy that people are embracing cryptocurrencies. And they are. And we're here this episode 13. We're going to be with you next week and the week after that. And that and that uh, always hunt us down. Hello at CoinDMZ.com. And we're going to get out of here. William Quigley, Ken Rakowski, thanks a lot for listening to Coin DMZ.